0: Hello and welcome to Money Tips. This is Charles Kelly. I wanted to run through some of the news stories we've had this week over the last few weeks and just give a sort of a roundup of, of what's going on. Um, some of the stories you may have read about are that the latest possible pensions or financial scandal brewing. Uh, according to the Sun, over 4 billion a year is lost by Britons who have cashed in their pensions early. And this, this problem let's go back a bit to the last uh or one of the previous chancellors, george osborne who was the chancellor and he wanted to liberalize pensions and make it more flexible for people to access their pensions and they, they allowed people to access their pensions and take 25 percent of their pension pots from their fund at age 55 and for, for a number of cases people who took these this money out have either made bad investments or were just completely scammed by, you know, crooked advisors or whatever. There's also the the, the charges that are imposed by some of these advisors and the, the advisors who sort of prey on people to, to cash in their pensions, to, to you know, to, to email them about, you know, freeing up your pension, they call it, access your pension, unfreeze your pension. Well, the pension is is meant to be frozen until you retire for that very reason, that it's there for retirement not for, you know, investing in your brother-in-law's new cafe in the park or whatever, or, or putting it into some wild harebrained scheme it, when you're in your 50s. And, you know, you may not recover from that if, if things go, go wrong for you. So the pensions were designed to, to save money from, you know, say age 18 up to 60, 65. And then that, that money, you could take out a lump sum, 25% tax-free in cash, But the rest of it was meant to go straight into what's called an annuity, which gives you a guaranteed income for life. And, you know, the insurance companies that guarantee those have been around for a long time. So, you know, you give them, you know, 100,000 and they give you back X amount per year for the rest of your life. Now, annuity rates have been going down because of low interest rates and low bond rates. So now they're saying, well, you know, we know that, this, that the annuity rates are going down. So, you know, why don't you just take your money and do something with it, you know, and and not not worry about the low annuity rates. But really, you're looking at it the wrong way. You should have enough in your fund to to give you a good pension regardless of, of the annuity rate. Now, annuities are guaranteed, but I must stress that the pension pot that you build up and and the pension plan that you build up uh, and save into for, for 30, 40 years – a lot of those are not guaranteed. But once you put your money into an annuity, they, they're usually guaranteed. And what you get back depends on how old you are, your health, um, and how much of a, a rise you want in the annuity uh, over the, 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 the future. So if you say, I just want an annuity, I don't want any increases built in, then fine, they'll give you the highest rate. But if you want, say, you know, an inflation-linked annuity that's going up, then they're going to give you a lower figure to start with based on your lump sum. There's also factors taken into account. Does this annuity cover you and your, your partner or wife or just you? You know, because the annuity dies with you. So if you, the disadvantage of the annuity, of course, is if you if you die, uh, the, the, the annuity dies with you. If both of you are dead, then that, that money is gone. So the insurance company is taking a little bit of a gamble. And this is why they'll give you a higher rate. If you're you, you know, you're not in good health or, you know, you smoke 40 cigarettes a year, a day. I mean, um, so the older you are, the higher the annuity you'll get. So anyway, this this has all been sort of freed up now. They call it unfreezing it, but it's causing uh, many problems, many problems for people. And we also know that the average pension pot of somebody in their 50s is only about 70,000 pounds, which means that, you know, in 10 years time, there's going to be a major shortfall in pension savings, and a major problem for, I'd say even millions of people in ten to fifteen years' time, and those people will be unable to retire because you know if you get to your fifties, you've only got seventy thousand. You're going to have to work very, very hard to build up a a good pension pot, and you know if you think even a, a million pounds is is not going to give you, you know, a life of luxury when you you, you put it into a pension, it will give you a good income. But it, it's not going to to give you as much as you think. If you think, you know, if you get three or four percent, you know, that's only forty thousand a year, um, and then you've got to pay tax on that. So it's it, you need a lot of money to, to have a really good, comfortable retirement. Now, people in the public sector, of course, don't have to worry about this so much because they're in good final salary schemes that gives them a guaranteed uh, percentage of their final salary at at the set retirement age. And people in working for Local authorities, teachers, nurses, doctors, MPs, uh, all have cast iron gold plated pension schemes. The rest of us have, have to, to sort of struggle with saving enough in your personal pensions. Now, a lot of people turn to property, of course, to to, to make their pension savings. But, you know, the government has been hitting people where it hurts by bringing in new taxes, uh, taking away tax relief, um, taking away Wearing terror allowance on, on on your property income and increasing stamp duty massively. So so that, is, that has hit people. And now we, we, we get talk of more controls coming in, um, you know, the, the sector becoming more regulated for estate agents. And even the London mayor th- this week saying he wants to bring in rent controls in London, have a, have a sort of a rent controlled environment, which could be a, an absolute disaster. So. Who knows what's going to happen? I, I still think property is a good investment because you can borrow money to buy it. You can use leverage. Now, other news this weekend, I, you know, looking at sort of recessionary type of uh, uh, possible news, that we, because we, we know that every 10 years or so, the UK has a recession. And this, this means that, you know, we're due for, for one now because, you know, if you think of the last one, 2008, eight nine, you know, we're into 2019 now. And you know, there's a lot of things up in the air really, aren't there? I mean, in, in the news this weekend, the current chancellor, I mean, we have talked about George Osborne, but the current chancellor, Philip Hammond, is a, is a known remainer. He said he will resign if Boris Johnson gets elected as leader. And that, that looks quite, quite possible. I think Boris Johnson wouldn't want him as uh, a, a chancellor anyway. And the chancellor is the guy that looks after all the money. And uh, he, I don't think he would get on with, with, with Hammond. So he could resign other MPs are getting together to try and block Brexit, and th- this could cause a constitutional crisis uh, in 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 by October. And so, things are, a lot of things are kind of up in the air, really, aren't they? And and this could all lead to lack of investment, uncertainty, which business doesn't like uncertainty. And it looks like Brexit could run on and on. It could be one of those sagas that that runs on and on. And you know that that will deter investment and deter business activity because how can people plan for things when they don't know what, what's going to happen. I, I'd like to see it all over by October so that we can move on one way or the other. And you know, I mean there was another report saying this week by a government think tank saying that a no-deal Brexit, just a walk away Brexit, could wipe 10% off of property prices. And people I talk to in the property world think that, you know, we could be in for a bit of a rocky ride. So it, it you know, you don't want to get caught with with your proverbial pants down by you know you're in the middle of a big development of luxury flats and you can't sell them because because that that happened to a friend of mine who uh, just after soon after Brexit was announced he was in the middle of a, a luxury development and couldn't sell the flats you know and that was in Islington in London couldn't get couldn't get rid of them so these things can happen so timing is is everything um so recessionary possibilities. But in my experience, recessions often come out of the blue. You know, Things are going along quite nicely. Everyone's happy. You know, and then suddenly, bang, something hits. And you know, we've had in, in the early 70s, the oil crisis. They call it the Arab oil crisis when uh, prices shot up. And that, that caused a major sort of worldwide recession. Uh, we've had the, the, the financial meltdown 2007 and 2008. And I was just watching that film, The Big Short, the other day uh interesting how you know that came about again with loans and home loans and banking bankers doing silly things and you know has that changed i don't know uh, i i i really don't know uh certainly we we have a lot of the things a lot of the indicators of recession coming up which uh in- includes things like the the trump china trade war you know if that if that really gets in if that really heats up then it could cause a recession because in, in a war, everyone gets affected. It's not one side wins everything. So, you know, China will be affected. America will be affected. If America gets, America gets affected, it we'll, would we'll hit everybody, we'll, all of us, the old saying of, you know, America sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. And it's true because, you know, we, we do a lot of business with America. It's one of our biggest investors in the UK. And if if America's business is down, then, you know, they're, they're going to be spending less less money investing in, in in other countries and buying stuff from from us so yeah uh, there's a few indicators out there and also the increased tensions in the Gulf at the moment with, with Iran uh, who have had you know there's this is disagreement over the, the 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 arms deal that Trump pulled out of the nuclear arms deal then we've had increased that he's put more in sanctions on Iran uh, Europeans are reluctant to get involved but they have to. And then a few weeks ago, Britain seized one of the, a tanker that was heading for Syria because of the oil embargo. And anyway, now one of their British flag tankers has been seized by, by the Iranians. So now we have this big standoff and, you know, who knows what can happen there, but there's, there's going to be tensions there. And, you know, all of this is, is bad, bad news. And sometimes a recession can come when just something triggers like this and, All of a sudden, confidence is lost, and people, you know, people start selling off shares, and the market can dive. If if the market goes down a certain level, then computerized programs will then can then sell off shares automatically uh, if there's stock losses and that sort of thing. So, uh, who knows? Recessions are a part of life; they come and go. Uh, Things go up, things go down. Uh, So we all need to prepare for them in in the good times and the lean times. It even goes back to that biblical story of Joseph, doesn't it? When you know, that he predicted that it would be seven good years and, you know, you must put a certain percentage of your grain away and store it because there'll be seven lean years after that. And it meant that at that time, Egypt could feed feed its people because it, it, it put something aside for the for the lean years. And that, that's good government. I don't think government seems to, to do that now. A lot of government seems to just borrow and borrow all the time and spend. And there's nothing there for, for the lean years, but we'll have to see. But it means, personally, in our own economy, I think you've got to be prepared that if there is a downturn, you're not left with too much consumer debt hanging around your neck. That, you know, if you if you what, what would happen if you lost your job? Have you got any money in the bank to cover you for, for for loss of job? Or are you just, as as they say, two or three paychecks from foreclosure, as they say in America? Most people are two or three paychecks from foreclosure. So if they didn't get paid for two or three months, they are, you know, literally messed up and you know the banks start taking away their house and that sort of thing so how much savings have you got in the bank to cover yourself you really should have six months to a year in the bank that you know if you lost your job if things went wrong you had a catastrophe the money is there especially if you're self-employed in my experience in financial services self-employed were the most vulnerable most of them didn't have any health and sickness insurance. They, they didn't have any accident insurance That if they were injured at work. And a lot of them did dangerous jobs, like, you know, and that well, I say dangerous jobs. They were doing jobs where they could get more of an injury than someone working in an office. So if they're using tools and hammers and, you know, guard and stuff. But they, they they never, they didn't want to take the insurance. They thought oh, it was too expensive. I'll just manage, you know, but they, there you go. Um, th- these things happen. So you don't want to be, A, having, holding too much debt. And and B not having any savings at all to 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 cover you, not having that grain stored in the in 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 your your grain store like like Joseph said in the Bible. Uh, so I'd also say that you you don't want to be in the middle of a a big development or you've borrowed money from the bank or you know you're really up to there with it and you know you must get these properties sold or you must get those flats sold otherwise are going to come crashing down and then suddenly bang it all goes wrong i've i've also recently seen a lot of developers revising their their plans for flats and they've, they've you know originally got planning permission say for 10 luxury flats selling at seven eight hundred nine hundred or a million pounds and then they've said oh i'm not sure we can sell those so they've come back in to, to the planning committee and said no we want to change that now to to 15 flats or 20 flats and to sell at a lower price. And I, I've seen a lot of developers do this. And I've seen other developments where they've got planning permission and nothing's been built yet. So, and now they're trying to offload the property. So, things, you know, you just got to be careful. You just got to be prudent and think, well, what's, look at the situation, look at your business, look at what's happening, look at, talk to agents, talk to people. You know, I've got a, a local estate agent, and for the last couple of years, he's been telling me not to buy anything. Imagine in a stage age say, don't buy anything, because because I know the guy's friendly and he said, No, no, I'm not doing anything at the moment. I'm just taking it easy, watching things, biding my time. And quite a few property people I've I've talked to are a bit like that, you know. Um, now obviously you don't have to buy property with a mortgage. You can acquire property in many different ways. You can acquire control of a property through many different ways, like options, through through um, option and uh, lease options and this sort of thing, lease purchase. All sorts of ways of acquiring properties. You can raise money through crowdfunding. You can raise money through joint ventures. So you don't always have to buy with mortgages. So that there are various ways. And in fact, uh, there's a seminar next weekend called No Money Down. If you're interested in how to, to start or get into the property business with no money, no money down, then definitely come along to that. Because there are ways of, of acquiring. Don't sort of think narrowly and think, oh, the only way is to go and get a big mortgage. No, And the only way is to have a big deposit. No, there are lots of different ways of getting into the property business, including rent to rent, deal packaging, you know, finding deals that that you you can't buy yourself and then packaging them up and selling them on for a fee. You know, lots of people make a very good living just doing that, just, you know, and you don't need money to do that. You just need a computer and, you know, a bit of effort to, to go out and do these things and then start talking to people on forums and that sort of thing. So if you want to learn more about these things, Come along to the seminar uh, and and send me an email, charles at charleskelly.net. But on the plus side, you know, every cloud has a silver lining, as they say. And if there is a downturn, then it does open up opportunities then to acquire assets at reduced prices. Um, That property is one obvious uh, um, example, but also the stock market. The stock market has been going up now for 10 years, apart from a few dips here and there it's been going up and up for 10 years almost non so it's one of the longest bull runs bull run means you know when confidence is high and prices are going up and you expect a bull market where you invest today you expect it to be five ten percent more next year so that can't continue and a, a lot of very experienced and superstar investors like warren buffett charlie munger are not buying anything at the moment because they said there's no value out there they're value-based investors Obviously, your pension fund and your unit trust will be buying shares all the time, so that kind of fuels the market because they can't sit on cash. If they've got an equity fund, they've got to buy equities. They can't sit in, you know, an equity fund with you know, ten percent equities and ninety percent cash. They've got to keep buying. So, but but as a, as an individual investor, you don't have to do that. You can sit in cash. You can do your research in the market, and then you can buy when when you feel that. You're getting good value for the for the share that you're you're buying. Now, obviously, you need to take advice on this. Uh, you you may need financial advice, but you can learn how to to invest in the stock market yourself. You can read books. You can go on courses. I can direct you to courses. Charles at charleskelly.net, and you can learn this yourself. And often, a good uh, small investor doing it themselves can do better than the fund managers, uh, partly because they can be more nimble. They can wait by their time wait till uh, something is on on sale don't have an interruption it wait till things are on sale and then buy it at the right price so there you go uh, thanks for listening this has been charles kelly at charles kelly uh, charles kelly at money tips and if you, if you want any information on those courses email me at charles at charleskelly.net. thank you for listening to money tips for more tips and information visit moneytipsdaily.com